Like many of you, I love the beauty and diversity of the animal kingdom as expressions of the amazing creativity of God. But I am so glad to be a human being made in His image and likeness. Today's guest, Dave Palmer, is here to discuss what's special about human nature versus other creatures. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, and today our guest is Dave Palmer, and he's going to help us understand what's special about human nature versus other creatures. Dave Palmer and his wife Paula are proud parents of three children. The family worships at St. Mary the Virgin Parish in Arlington, Texas. He is the author of St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone, 30 Quick and Fun Lessons, Activities, and Outdoor Adventures, based on the Summa Theologia, and a new book in the works called The Simple Summa, which is the first of his new series of four great resources for your family, and we'll keep you posted on the release of that first book. Dave also teaches an introduction to the Summa Theologia for high school students for homeschool connections, so look for that course. Dave serves as Executive Director of the Guadalupe Radio Network's Catholic radio station in North Texas, KATH 910, AM, and he's the host of several radio programs, including The Good News Show, The Cath 9 10 AM Interview of the Week, which air in North Texas, and the podcast Back to the Father, which is broadcast on Guadalupe Radio. Dave also has a YouTube channel where he teaches on the Summa Theologia and some great content on Facebook. So all that is in the show notes. Uh, and he's also the voice of this podcast's opening credits. I always love to plug that because <laughs> you have such a good voice, Dave. Welcome back to the program. It's so nice to see you again, my friend. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, and in the middle of your extremely busy day. So I just uh, so grateful for you. And this is a really fascinating and timely topic. In our, this is a really confusing time, especially for young people in our history, with the nature of human identity being under constant attack. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so true. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that you're glad you're a human being, and uh, <laughs> and I am too. And uh, you know, there's uh, 8.7 million species of creatures in the world, uh, not counting the angels, as far as visible creatures. And only only one of them is made to the image and likeness of God, as far as the visible creatures, and it's us. And so, I think it's an important topic, and it's one where we can uh, we should you know, look at and say, well, why, why am I a human? Why am I not a caterpillar? Why, why am I not a, you know, a badger or a hawk or a porcupine? And I, and I think it's a significant question, not only for ourselves, but also for our children. Yeah. And we can really see that as the human race has in some respects unstuck itself from the Christian ideal of what our human identity is all about, that we're really getting pretty lost. So step us into why is understanding our human nature so important for us? 
Well, human nature really, and any and any nature, the nature of a bumblebee or a, a you know, turtle or a human being really has to do with a couple of things. First of all, it's like the essence, you know, what is it? What is a turtle? I mean, any child could give you an answer, but they would describe the turtle. It also has to do with operations. You know, what what do particular creatures do? You know, and again, I always go back to kids because I don't, I, I think people have this idea that philosophy is only for, you know, ivory tower you know PhDs you know at universities but we're all philosophers uh, including including children and so uh, you ask them uh, you know what does a turtle do what does a beaver do what does a hawk do and, and they can give you answers for that and then say well what does a human do <laughs> you know well what are our operations and how are they different you know and I know we're going to get into that here in a moment as well but operations also have to do with what uh, philosophers refer to as telos or the end okay what is the end of a chicken you know what is the many people would say you know food for a human being in many cases uh, or uh, what is the end of a a platypus or a hawk, oh, well, what what is the end of a human being, and how does that have to do with our operations? You know, why why do we have senses? You know, why do we have you know taste and smell and hearing? Why do we have intellect? Why do we have will? Why do we have free will? Okay, so these are these are very important questions, and it all has to do with nature because our nature is unlike the nature of any other creature. Yeah, and I love that you use that word, Talos, um, and talked about the end of something. Like, what is what is our ultimate purpose? And that word purpose, unfortunately, gets used so loosely. It's almost like the way the word love can be associated with your favorite team or pizza, but there's so much more there, right? We're just scratching the superficial surface of what our purpose is when we talk about our end. But it's such a rich place to enter in. What is the end uh, in, that God has in mind? for our being human. So would you uh, walk us into some of the most important distinctions between our human nature and the nature of other creatures? Yeah, the and, and of course, leaning on St. Thomas Aquinas, you have kind of a, a gradation of creatures. You know, you have some that he would say has what's called a, a vegetative or nutritive soul, and these would be your trees and your plants and your bushes where they, they're alive, but they don't have any senses. You know, when you mow the yard, you don't hear the blades of grass going, ow, ow, you know, that would be make mowing the grass horrible. You know, they don't, they don't have senses. They don't have taste or touch or anything like that, but they're alive. Okay. They're different than, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a rock, you know, rock has no, no life. So it's, it, it has a, it has a soul. Thomas Aquinas would say they have a vegetative soul and there's, you know, water running through them. So they have a vac vascular system. And, um, and then you move up to what's called the sensitive soul. And these would be creatures that have the five senses. They can feel pain. Um, uh, you know, your, your rats and your mice and your snakes and turtles and hawks and gorillas and, you know, you name it. And so uh, there's a distinction there. Um, because they still have the, the vegetative soul. They still are alive and they have excretory and respiratory systems and things that are involuntary, okay? Everything in a, in a plant is involuntary. Uh, whereas uh, with an animal, it's not that they have free will, but they have a little bit more mastery over their actions, you know, much more so than a plant. I mean, anybody could realize that. And then you move up into this 
rarefied air of human beings who, uh, yes, we have the vegetative aspect of our soul. Um, you know, we have blood running through our bodies and air and capillaries and all these involuntary uh, systems. And then we also have the sensitive soul aspect of our soul where we feel pain and we have sight and smell and taste. Uh, but then we are made to the image and likeness of God, which means that we have intellect and we have will. Okay, and this is means we're free agents. We can make decisions and we can go off track. You know, a, a hawk or a porcupine or a beaver doesn't really make moral decisions. You know, that's why we don't throw them in jail. We don't, you know, we don't bring them before judges. <laughs> uh, but we can, you know, and it's, it's a great responsibility, but it's also something that uh, comes with, uh, you know, a, a, a risk, ultimately a risk of, of losing our eternal life. But it makes us fascinating. And I say in my class, also complicated creatures. We're very complicated because of everything that I explained. We have very complicated souls that can do a lot. And, um, but uh, again, the fact that we are made to the image and likeness of God makes us extremely unique. And that's what makes us different from all the other uh, 8.7 million minus one <laughs> species uh, in the whole world, right? We're very unique. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the people who said, well, look at how intelligent porpoises are, or look at how intelligent the, the primates are. And yet we, we don't see them in, in what you just described, making moral decisions or even, uh, you know, where are their libraries? I heard someone once say <laughs> if there are equals on this planet. But could you step us into a little bit of clarity about what we mean by a moral decision? A moral decision means that uh, there are contingencies, which means that something is presented to us. And Thomas would say, we're, we're always going to choose a good, you know, like even somebody who goes into a store and, you know, steals a TV, he only did it because it's good. Okay. So we're, we're, we're really basically presented with a whole lot of goods in the world. Okay. A married person, um, uh, God forbid, commits adultery. They're going to, they're going to, they're pursuing, uh, you know, something they see as good. Right. But it's not the best good. The best good is they stay with their spouse. Right. And so we, unlike the, the, the animals have these moral decisions that are presented to us. You know, do I eat two pieces of pizza? or do I eat three? A dog never has to think about that. A dog just eats the pizza, okay? And they never say, you know, but should I eat that third piece? Is it right? <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, but we do. And so every day, you know, you know, should I give that homeless person $10 or does my family need it? Or maybe it's something that I, I could do. So we have this these, you know, contingencies, these decisions that are popping into our mind really a thousand times a day, because we're always making little moral decisions. Some are much bigger than others, but that's unique to us. Nobody really thinks a turtle is contemplating <laughs> these mm -hmm. kind of things uh, throughout. The they, they, they're kind of moved by God instinctively, you know, that, that word instinct, uh, where they just kind of move along and do their thing, but they're not contemplating decisions, you know, from, from moment to moment. Yeah, so good, so clear. And I also love in Scripture, you see in certain places in the Psalms especially, that all of creation gives God praise. It acts in obedience to its own nature. It hasn't got ultimately free will. It, a bird doesn't stop singing, uh, you know, even a primate will not cease to be a primate. It's not going to 
you know, stop being in its own nature, whereas a human being can make a lot of decisions that are contrary to its own nature, to its own good. And as you said, whether it's well-formed or malformed, it is ultimately seeking what it what appears to it to be good. Yeah. And that's why I think we can learn a lot from the created world because, and again, you can teach this to a five-year-old, just like you said, the the sparrow and the hawk and the butterfly and the, and the gracefulness of these creatures, they, they are, I, I, I'll use a little V, but they're acting virtuously in the sense that they are doing what is good. I mean, that's basically what virtue is. It's, it's the, it's, 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 it's what, what, what makes a person good is virtuous. Um, but unlike choosing it, it's almost like, um, you know, a, a double predestination with them where they're being directed outside of their will to doing exactly what they should. And so that should be a model to them because we should do what we should and the path is laid out in front of us but we just have been given this beautiful and somewhat um, risky gift of free will in, in that we God has trusted us enough and loves us enough to allow us to to, to be free agents and, and make decisions but we can we can learn a lot from observing the natural world around us. Yeah, so good. And you mentioned teaching children. I want to talk about that when we get back from our sponsor break. Everybody stay with us. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. All right, we're back with Dave Palmer, and we're talking about what's special about human nature versus other creatures. And this can be really pretty deep philosophical stuff, but we'd love to be able to pass this on to our children at various ages. And so um, what's your sense of when we can start to have these conversations with our kids? Uh, what are your favorite places to apply these distinctions and draw them out into our family life? Well, I, I think you can start very, very young. Uh, you know, three or four years old, you can, uh, you know, talk about, you know, you know, the difference between an earthworm and a dog, you know, even a, a little kid is going to realize that they feel a certain more affection towards a dog. And why is that? Because the dog responds to them more. The dog is higher in the, the chain. The difference, like I mentioned before, of a, a plant versus, uh, 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 you know, a, a, an animal who can, can feel pain. <clears throat> so, just the fact that there are a lot of different kinds of creatures, and you can even ask the question, why do you think that is? You know, uh, Thomas has this beautiful article in the Summa about why are there so many creatures in the world? Why not just, I mean, we'd probably be happy with a thousand, but there's millions. And Thomas says that it's because every single one of them tells us something about God. And that's, of course, I'm paraphrasing. So you could, you know, like a really easy example would be something like a, um, a caterpillar building a cocoon and turning into a butterfly. And you could ask a three or four year old, like, you know, what, what, what do you think that, why, why do you think they do that? And, and I think they could figure out that the caterpillar going into a cocoon, it kind of looks like a, like a tomb. It's almost like they die. 
and then they rise again as something much more beautiful than they were before. And I'm like, God, you're making it too easy on us because you basically <laughs> put the, the Jesus's death and resurrection into this little grubby worm who turns into this gorgeous butterfly, which would mm. represent our resurrected bodies. And I think that uh, a three or four year old could understand that, you know, grandma or grandpa who died, um, you know, of course, they don't have their bodies yet. They're waiting. They're, they're, that, that might be a little deep for kids. But, you know, one one day they're going to be in heaven and their body is going to be uh, glorified. And it's just like, you know, maybe going from a caterpillar to a butterfly that we're going to be able to do different things with our bodies in heaven. And so, to me, like like I said, God made that one too easy for us. But <laughs> <laughs> And you could, uh, you know, show a piece of art and tell a kid, like, you know, when you look at a piece of art, we we naturally want to know who drew it, right? Uh, you, you know, we want we want to go deeper, but you you put that the dog looking at the art, first of all, he won't pay much attention to it, but he doesn't he doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't uh wonder who drew it, why'd they draw draw draw, you know, draw it, what's the purpose, what's the meaning? But we do, and we want to know about it. And so what about do we want to know about that sunrise? Do we want to know about uh, that bird that just flew overhead or the, that, you know, uh, that, that grasshopper that's jumping in our yard? I mean, who made it? You know, why, 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 did, why was it made that way? I think the best thing we can do for our kids is instill in them a sense of curiosity, uh, a curiosity of not just saying, oh, there's another creature, but, you know, look at them and get a magnifying glass and then look at the design of a grasshopper or a a, 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 um, a spider they're beautifully designed and they're intricate and that i mean it's like a master craftsman and then just say isn't that interesting you know do you think that just was randomly created or do you think there's some intelligent creator and of course anybody with common sense is going to say some 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 intelligent being created this for a purpose Okay, what's its purpose? <laughs> uh, and so I, I think, especially in our technological age, when many kids have their heads in a uh, an iPhone or whatever, to get them to just observe the world and ask questions and have a sense of wonder, um, it's the best gift you can give to your kids. Oh, yeah. And I love that you mentioned phones, because I know Franciscan University is preparing to offer a lot off tuition for students that will not use their cell phones their first oh. year. And uh, Wyoming State Catholic College doesn't allow cell phones on campus. Um, and they spend a lot of time in the great outdoors. I mean, really cool stuff. So I feel like the Catholic Church can stand for these things, can stand for our being in the beauty of nature to understand God and to understand ourselves and our place in this beautiful creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you look at something even like the stars in the sky, you know, in the old days, before the phones, and of course, technology serves a good purpose. We wouldn't be doing this sure. if there wasn't technology, right? So I'm not knocking <laughs> right. technology, but people used to, used to be much more observant of what was going on. In fact, you'd have to tell time, right, by the sun and the, the, the seasons, and you're, 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 you're always looking for signs in the world about the clouds and the horizon. And nowadays, we turn on the TV or on our phone, and we see the forecast for the next seven days, but they would have to be very observant about what, what was happening or you know and and we, we don't really need to do that any longer and so I, I i dare say most people aren't really even paying attention to the world around them other than maybe their phone or you know their emails and so it's uh it's too bad it's a it's it's a good and a bad but i think it, it, a good balance would probably be better for most of us 
Yeah, it's interesting because the way our phones and things are designed, not to go off on a whole other topic, but they're meant to work with our brains to keep us focused on them. They're, they're very alluring in that way. And yes, they can be used well or poorly, but. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, staying curious. And so I'd like to just kind of segue into what are some ways to live this with our children, embracing, dignifying this, our humanity and the way we live. And we've already kind of started segueing into the way life used to be. What are you seeing as opportunities for us now? Yeah, I think there's so much going around us, and uh, I may have mentioned this on the last one, but that was a while back. But uh, That's okay. one of the Mention things that, that one of the things that good. fascinates me is like the <laughs> the, the photosynthesis process. Um, that, that's amazing. You know, the, the, the water cycle, uh, I used to compost in our backyard and, uh, you know, and, and these, you know, you take the eggshells and the coffee grounds and the watermelon uh, rinds and you put them in a big pile and, and, and all, you know, all these different things that are just basically trash, you know, and you can see it even with leaves, you know, tell your child, you know, the, the leaves fall and what happens to them? Most, most, most kids may not even know that they decompose and they become soil, right? Well, why, why, why soil? Because the next generation of trees and bushes need need them. Okay, so they're going through this process. They have no, they have no idea what's going on, but they're basically providing for themselves and for for the best of creation. Um, and uh, you know, again, those are three of the examples. And the fact that water gets evaporated, it goes into clouds, it moves to another location, they get rain, and so all these things uh, speak of order and beauty and goodness. And it's really hard to believe that it's random, that there wasn't some master designer uh, that that put all this in order. So there's a lot of a lot of things that are happening. I, I learned one time that um, squirrels have just good enough memories to remember where most of the nuts that they buried are. They have a good enough memory to remember to feed themselves, but a bad enough memory so that trees will grow. <laughs> so, oh, nice. you know, so we, we, we don't want the squirrel to find all of its nuts, right? We want them to find most of them to feed themselves and their kids, but we want them to forget about a few of them. Why? Because mm -hmm. we want trees, right? And and so and we need them to bury them. And so I, I think that there's um, one of the things I do with my class is I, I think a way a day where I, I ask them, and they don't do it daily, but about weekly, is I say, find something in nature and take a picture of it, send it to me and connect it to God. And mm. it's it's amazing the things they find. And my, my, the students are, are, are spread out across the country geographically. So I get pictures of snow and I get pictures of deserts and mountains and seashores and beaches. And, and, and it just shows the, the and, and they love it. They, they just, uh, can we do a way a day? And, and I, and I recommend for parents do a way a day. And a way means find a way to find a way, a way that God is, is, is evident in your life. Okay. So um, be observant, teach your kids to be observant and every day say, what was your away a day today? What did you notice? Did you find a bug? Did you find a, a, a gentle breeze that reminded you of God or a, a wasp or a, or something, you know, and, and, and hold them to it and say, what did you find? And they're going to love doing it, but it gets them outside and it gets them looking for things and it gets them, uh, you know, looking, looking for God in the created world. And I, I again, I, I think it's, it's fun and it's very educational and it does instill in them that sense of wonder. 
Oh, yeah. Well, nothing beats, even if you're in a city, um, just going to a place where there are creatures. When we lived in Brooklyn for many years, uh, we finally had our little girl uh, pretty late in our marriage, uh, finally got blessed with a child. And we lived right near a park that was full of squirrels and a little bit of other kind of wildlife. But even just that, just feeding the squirrels or the pigeons or whatever, was so life-giving to our little toddler. She couldn't get enough of interacting with them. It was just a thrill for her. And she even went through a period of, because there were horses that would pass through, of just stopping and looking at what the horses would leave behind. Like, just even connecting that to, like, you know, potty training and things <laughs> like that. Like, it was just yeah. endlessly fascinating and hilarious for us, of course. But, um, yeah, like, almost anywhere you are, you can get out and connect. Mm -hmm. And I would also, you know, it's it's easy to look at the birds and the butterflies and the earthworms and uh, and teach them how beautiful they are. But I think it's also a very important lesson is to teach them that uh, nothing in this world outside of the, the the blessed sacrament is closer to God than their fellow human beings, their brother, their sister. Okay, and I know a lot of what roll Thank their eyes when that. we say that is that, yeah, sure, the cow and all these things that you see outside and the sunrise, these are all beautiful, but they pale in comparison uh, to to the human being. And that includes the the homeless man you see, the, the annoying kid down the street, your aging grandmother, you know, or your best friend. Every one of them made to the image and likeness of God. And, you know, that... You know, you talk at the beginning about the difference between all the different natures and the creatures, and I think that really needs to be driven home because I, I think a lot of people see human beings as annoyances <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know, because we have free will and, and because the, the, the squirrel is never going to let us down because it, it, it doesn't make moral decisions and it just kind of does what it's supposed to do and it leaves us alone, um, but teach them that there's nothing closer to God than their, their 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 kid brother, you know, or yeah. their their sister or their grandma, and um, and I and I think that's a that's a lesson that this culture needs to learn, you know, more a little bit more clearly. Yeah, amen to that. And and when we think about our being purposed as being made in the image and likeness of God, as being part of God's plan for salvation and all, that's, that's heady stuff for young kids. But what you just said, the dignity of their own siblings, that we're mm -hmm. all made in God's image and that there's an immortal soul there. Um, that we're all on this really sacred journey of making those choices for or against God throughout the day, that that's unlike any other creature on earth. Yeah. yeah, so true, so true. And that, that needs to be driven home, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. so um, we would love to have uh, our listeners check out Dave's resources that are in the show notes here. We've got Dave's book, and it's really full of fantastic things that your family on a lot of different levels, different age levels, can do together indoors and outdoors, depending on your weather and your season. Um, he's got a Facebook page for his Away a Day. Check it out. He's also got a St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone page and a YouTube page as well, where he has videos teaching the Summa. So you can use his resources a lot of different ways. Anything you'd like to add to that? Anything I missed there, Dave? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, I am, uh, yeah, I'm developing new ways to try to do this. Uh, I, I just, I, I feel like 
God in, instilled in me a, uh, a love for Thomistic philosophy and the Summa for a reason, and I, I love it. I get excited about it, and so I'm just trying to find various ways to share it. But I think you, I think you hit on all, all the platforms <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I just love it because your your well ordered passion toward this kind of awareness, this life giving awareness of our nature in this sp space of really accessible and fun and delightful philosophy. Like you said, you don't have to have a PhD to be a philosopher. Even little kids are philosophers. I love that you said that. I'm going to steal it. Mm -hmm. uh, any final thoughts for us, Steve? Yeah, I I just um, you know. Just kind of say, you know, Pope Leo the Thirteenth wrote an encyclical back in 1879 called Eterni Patris, which was a restoration of Christian philosophy according to the mind of Saint Thomas Aquinas, and in it he was basically lamenting some of the errant philosophers and how really um, philosophy since the. You know, the, the time of St. Thomas Aquinas has been kind of picked apart. People like Descartes and Nietzsche and Sartre, and, well, Sartre would have been after him, but, uh, you know, uh, Marx and Hegel and Kant and all that. And so I, I think um, by, by teaching age appropriate good solid philosophy um, the, the 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 children will learn to see bad notes like somebody who knows music really well and somebody sings off tune they'll pick it up immediately but somebody who doesn't know music like me won't necessarily pick it up okay so we want to learn to fine-tune our, our kids intellects uh, intellectually like for example uh, I mentioned Jean-Paul Sartre you know he died in 1980 he was what's called an existentialist and one of his big um, beliefs was that a person is born and they have existence, but then they create their own essence, okay? So basically, they can create themselves into whoever they are. They're kind of a blank slate, where we would say from a Christian philosophy standpoint that no— uh, yeah, you yeah you might become a doctor or a lawyer or you have certain decisions that you might make, but fundamentally you are a human being made in the image and likeness of God. There's nothing you can do about that. But Sartre would not agree with that. He would say that you create yourself into anything you want to be. And you look at our culture today, where you know boys can become girls and girls will become boys. Of course, I with air quotes, people believe they can do that. I mean, people think they can become bunny rabbits, and so this this is and and. Uh, this is a logical conclusion of existentialism of people like Jean-Paul Sartre. And so, like I said a moment ago, if we have good philosophy and logic and we teach kids how to think, the moment they hear that kind of nonsense, they're just going to say, no, that's, you know, that I don't buy that. That, that. that doesn't ring true for me. But a lot of people have never been taught how to think. And so when they hear that, it's appealing to them. Oh, really? I can become whatever I want to become. I can become a, a wolf or a dog or a, the other gender. And, and But they haven't been grounded. So that's why I think philosophy is important. And it's never too early to start. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I invite everybody, I will uh, link you to where Dave is present at Homeschool Connections, because you really might want to check out his archived classes. Do you have any live classes coming up for summer or fall, Dave? That 
Uh, I'm, I, every spring and fall, I do a class. I've got 29 students in it right now, I think representing wow. about 24 states. And we have a blast. I mean, I, I love doing it and the kids. Uh, it, it's just so much fun. And it's it's really my like my favorite hour and 15 minutes of my week when I get to connect with these kids and teach them and have fun with it. And um, and they, they they enjoy it, um, you know, as well. It's uh, it, it's it, Thomas is a lot of fun to learn if it's presented in a, in a non intimidating way. And so but, yeah, the, the course. I've been teaching it, I think, for about 10 years now. So there's always another one that you can sign up for, I guess, in the fall. I'll be starting again. Yeah, that's great news. That's great to hear. Um, this has been so much fun. And thank you for being such a delightful bridge between all of us who are, you know, not schooled in Aquinas yet, but would <laughs> love to be, would love to have that knowledge, that awareness, and, and the same delight that you have in God's creation and, and the meaning of our lives. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate being a guest. Uh, it's been so much fun. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We hope we'll be with us again next week on Homeschooling Saints. Take care. God bless. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.